What do Disney movies and clinical trials have in common? Well, just as storyboarding is used to design the sequences of a scene in your favorite Disney movie, it can also be used as a tool to improve team alignment and tell a clearer story to inspectors. From startup to closeout, clinical trials never seem to go according to plan. But with storyboarding, you'll have a tool in your arsenal that will help explain those events and keep your story consistent. Today on the seat of TMF, we're going to walk you through the ins and outs of storyboarding and how you can use them to help ease training, navigate mergers and acquisitions, and prepare for TMF inspection. The seat of TMF is officially in session. Let's get into it. Super excited for another session of State of TMF. I say that every time, um, but it is such a, uh, a great thing that I look forward to every two weeks. I get to catch up with awesome people uh, internally at Montrim, and I get to welcome Donatella back um, after a brief break. Donatella, welcome back to the show. How was your time away? What did you get up to in your absence? Oh, thank you so much, Oliver. Thank you so much. I'm very happy to be back to today, especially with this uh, very interesting topic that I really care about, storyboarding. So yes, I went on holiday, uh, not, not on the beach anymore, unfortunately. Uh, but yes, I went uh, in the south of Tuscany. Uh, I don't know if you know the region in Italy. Very nice, uh, not just for the seaside, uh, but also for the food, the wine. Uh, not very relaxing because two babies. <laughs> I don't think that they were, they were relaxing holidays. Uh, but lots of fun, uh, again, lots of nice food, the nice places, and the seaside. You know, it's always uh, a pleasure to be on the beach uh, and see the seaside. So, yeah. it was a great time. I guess when the kids go to bed, that's when the, the wine tasting begins. Yes, exactly. <laughs> definitely, definitely. So, absolutely a great time. But I'm very happy to, to be back uh, with you today. But I know that uh, even you in July, has some special event. <laughs> That's true. You missed that while you were sipping wine in Tuscany. Yeah, I got. I think for those that were here last uh, session, they would have found out that I got married in uh, the beginning of the month. So that was kind of my uh, my little fun time off. I had some friends and family come in uh, into the city for for the for the wedding, which, as you can imagine, right. like busy, busy, busy. But uh, but lots and lots of fun. And now we're back grinding away at Montreal for another uh, State of TMF session. Super excited for everybody to join us here. Um, let us know if you're a first time State of TMF -er or if you've been here since the beginning. Uh, we're super excited about this session. We're going to be tackling a subject that's near and dear to uh, Donatella's heart, which is really around storyboarding. Um, but as a reminder for those that haven't, uh, you know, if this is your first State of TMF session, welcome to the community. We run these every other Wednesday at 11 a.m. Eastern. Um, this is your sort of like bi-weekly check-in with other TMFers. Um, we tackle lots of different subjects. We've been talking a lot about inspections over the last couple shows. Um, and we'll start to weave in some other topics soon. Um, so let's get into the, the, the subject of today. So we, we talked a little bit already. We introduced the subject. So today's session, we're really going to be focusing on storyboarding. And I think more importantly... A lot of people consider storyboarding um, sort of a true inspection readiness or inspection preparation tactic or tool. Um, but and we want to also uh, open uh, some doors to what storyboarding can be useful for outside of inspections. Of course, they are a super useful inspection tool. 
Um, we're going to cover a lot of really, really great things today. Donatella and I have already gone back and forth in sort of our pre-show chat. And there's lots of really, really great content. And we've even got some insights into our storyboard template that we use with our customers that you guys can take away today. So lots of, of super exciting things um, to tackle. All right, so let's jump into it. So I think that the, for, for me, as we go through this, Donatella, I think we'll, we'll jump back and forth. And I, I definitely want to yeah. kind of get your perspective on kind of where you've used storyboards. But I think a really good place to start is sort of just addressing the elephant in the room, which is that, you know, clinical trials never really pan out exactly how we plan them. Um, you know, we could write the best possible plan and and develop you know the best possible team but there are always going to be things that happen during that that study that we just don't foresee at the beginning um it would be great if it was you know seamless uh, setup conduct close out um with no real major issues but of course those do things those things do come up both internal or external right donatella like there are always going to be some of those things i think we talked about covid you know, prior to this as being something that you just really couldn't plan for, no. you know, what are some really? of the things that you see there? No, exactly, Oliver, uh, you're completely right. Uh, I think that uh, in an ideal world, everyone would like to see, you know, these phases of the clinical trial set up content and close up. But the reality, and I think that everyone who's managing clinical trial agree, is that uh, things happen. Events happen. Uh, unpredictable uh, things like COVID can happen, and so your clinical trial can change. The design of your clinical trial can change, have an impact by these events. So you can have a protocol amendment. Maybe the, your principal inve investigator that left the site, uh, a big change in the CRO, or a new country that you have to add in your clinical trial. So lots of things that you didn't plan for your clinical trial can happen, and so. It can be really challenging to understand uh, all the story of your clinical trial when there is no this uh, linear, I would say, you know, management uh, and conduction of the clinical trial. Right. And that obviously presents challenges in how you sort of keep everybody aligned and Absolutely. of course present that story, that consistent story. If all of these different things are happening, how do we make sure that that story is consistent across you know, when we do, maybe when, when we're doing interviews with an with an inspector, when we're exactly. you know preparing for a specific inspection. So, bottom line, clinical trials are complex. They're difficult. Things happen that we can never plan for, um, which presents challenges for us in, in being able to communicate and explain these events and issues that occur. And one of the main ways in which we recommend and many other teams uh, use today to to kind of counter that issue is, of course, storyboarding. So Donatello, from, from your perspective, maybe let's take a couple of steps back. What is storyboarding to you? And, and maybe talk about sort of like how you first discovered storyboarding. When did that occur? Yeah, thank you for this question, Oliver, because uh, uh, the very first time that I heard uh, and then I faced TMF storyboarding, uh, I was quite surprised because uh, when, uh, you know, these guys told me, oh, yes, let's do a TMF storyboarding, I was uh, Seriously? So this person are going to draw my clinical trial to make some pictures of my clinical trial? Because when I was at university, my roommate, she was attending the art academy uh, and storyboarding was uh, an everyday activity. I mean, she was coming uh, at home, uh, making all this drawing, uh, because basically when you talk about storyboarding, uh, 
it's something it's something related to movie environment, entertainment, uh, theater. It's something that you use to design the sequence uh, of a particular scene, you know, for example, of a movie. Uh, so it's a very uh, visualized uh, tool to understand the story of the movie. Uh, so it's very weird, let's say, to combine Trial Master File with a storyboarding. And the very first time I was very, let's say, surprised and almost shocked. Uh, but then when I discovered what uh, a TMS storyboarding is and how it can help uh, your story, I love it. I mean, I fall in love immediately because I think that it's a really a powerful tool that not everyone knows and not everyone uses. Uh, for the TMF management, but on the contrary, if you can develop and implement it, it can be really, you know, uh, powerful for, for your story. Uh, and just a, a quick, let's say, history, when I try to understand the, the origin of storyboarding, I think that the very first storyboarding uh, developing uh, in, the, in the past was the one of the freelance picks by Walt Disney. So Walt Disney inventing the storyboarding. And now we are talking about storyboarding in Trial Master 5. So so in short there, don't don't start drawing documents in a storyboard. That's no, kind of please. <laughs> I mean, but, if, if you're able. <laughs> but, Honestly, not please. <laughs> but really it's the concept of being able to explain the sequence of events and how and to align everybody to that right i think that's kind of the idea here with the storyboard is to to be able to to give everybody an understanding of how things should be presented and aligning everybody onto that right like we all know and we say it over and over again the tmf is is kind of the story of the clinical trial so conceptually it makes sense to develop a storyboard but maybe not like the examples um that no. you mentioned the kind of the the, the cartoon character type uh, storyboard but really illustrating uh, in a document or whatever uh, format makes sense what that storyboard uh, might look like. So maybe just kind of if I can go back one step. So we talked about storyboarding and we talk about storyboards. Obviously, they're connected. What's the, the key difference for you, Donatella, there? Yes. So when we talk about TMF storyboarding, uh, is the process. Uh, we refer to the process of developing uh, this document, the TMF storyboard, to be used as a reference, uh, especially to explain uh, a very uh, particular event that occurred in your clinical trial. If we refer to TMF storyboard, uh, we are referring to the short reference document uh, designed through the storyboarding uh, in a way that we can use it to for a more, let's say, efficient and factual-based communication, especially during the inspection. Because as you said, Oliver, I think that uh, when it comes to inspection, uh, what we want to achieve uh, is a good communication with the inspector that we have. Uh, and sometimes, uh, depending on uh, your personal perspective, your personal role in the clinical trial and your responsibility, your point of view can be different. Uh, but what is important when it comes to inspection is to ensure that any everyone is aligned, everyone is on the same page. Everyone has the same vision of what happened. And storyboarding can really help to get this uh, common vision and common underground, let's say, to be more prepared for inspection. Do you agree? Absolutely. Yeah, no, I think, and, and one of the things I really liked about kind of how you outlined that was really that 
you know, you could certainly go off today after listening to, to what we talk about and maybe taking some of the steps that we're going to present and, and discuss today and go off and build a storyboard. But I think what you're emphasizing here is that, yes, it's important to create that documentation that helps align the team members, but it's also important to define the process for developing those storyboards, right? Exactly. Because that is also important, right? From you might have a collection of storyboards within a specific inspections, you know, sort of a situation. Those storyboards need to follow, you know, perhaps the same format. They need to, um, you know, be consistent, right? And so that's where that process really comes in. Exactly. So now we talked a lot about, um, you know, the kind of using storyboards as a preparation technique or a tool prior to an inspection but there, there obviously can be other useful um, applications for storyboarding so you know some of the things that we've seen storyboarding be useful for are things like training right so if we're onboarding new team members um, that maybe are coming from a different group or a different organization and we want to be able to explain some of the rationale behind you know what happened in a, in a particular study or a specific event that occurred and we want to be able to do that clearly and concisely, it can be a really useful tool for training. I think a big one, and this is something that Donatella, you and I talked about prior to, to today was kind of that merger and acquisition. If you're part of an organization that's you know acquiring a molecule or you've acquired an entire organization and there's an inheritance of, of, of TMS that need to be understood, storyboarding can be a really useful exercise there. And of course, depending on the type of use case that you're going to leverage storyboarding for, you might approach the story, the development of the storyboard slightly differently, right, Donatella? Yeah, exactly, absolutely. Because uh, see, storyboarding is very uh, flexible, I would say. Uh, it's a, because it's a tool that you can use uh, based on your need. Uh, is really the need that you that you have. Uh, to define your storyboarding, your TMF storyboarding. So if you need to, you know, to reconstruct the story of an acquired TMF, for example, is different than uh, get prepared for an inspection and maybe try to uh, have all the team uh, align uh, on uh, what happened in the last year before the inspection, uh, rather than having a change in the study team and uh, have an endover, you know, between maybe clinical project manager and try to explain uh, everything that was manage and done for the clinical trial till the moment that the new uh, employee enter into the study team. So it's really, let's say, uh, a useful tool that can be adapted uh, according to the situation, according to the specific need of your study team, uh, because it's flexible and you can, uh, you know, uh, change the, the scope and even the format whenever you need uh, based on the scenario that you are living in that uh, in that moment, uh, even because there is no, uh, I would say, a regulatory requirement. I mean, if you have a look to the requirements, uh, I think that you agree, Oliver. There are no storyboarding, mm, nothing requested by MHRA, you know, FDA or other competent authority. It's really a company tool, a company-specific tool that, uh, uh, if you develop it and implement it in a effective way, it can be very useful for your uh, quality and for your inspection readiness. And what is, obviously I talked about merger and acquisition. We talked about inspection preparation. Like another example that comes to mind where a storyboard could be useful is like maybe you transition from one 
CRO to another? Why would a storyboard perhaps be useful in that context? Absolutely, absolutely. That is another, uh, let's say, very common, uh, unfortunately, very common scenario that we also uh, supporting some of our uh, customers with this, uh, let's say, situation because uh, you start the clinical trial with a zero and then uh, there can be some uh, maybe GCP compliant issue or other issue during the clinical trial with the zero. And so you have to, the best, let's say, decision uh, after an assessment of the benefit and the risk is to change the zero. But we know that to change the role while you are in the middle of the clinical trial can have a very big impact on all the processes, all the action, all the milestones. So it's very important to, let's say, define the story in that particular moment of what happened, how you manage the situation, what you did to solve the situation, uh, and try to prevent the situation to happen again in the future. Uh, another example is also, as you said at the beginning, COVID. I think that, you know, COVID is something unpredictable. And so sometimes to define the entire story of a clinical trial, you know, what happened uh, regarding the restriction and the limitation that we had during those years and what happened to our clinical trial, uh, it can be really helpful to understand uh, how the clinical trial was managed during that particular event, during the particular moment, uh, because we had some deviation from our current process, from our current SOP. And so it is important, it's uh, very uh, helpful to have a document that, let's say, summarize uh, all the action uh, taken by the study team. So you mentioned something really interesting there. So you've mentioned document a couple of times. Now, I'm sure some folks on the line are probably going to be thinking, well, what's the best way for us to be able to, you know, design that storyboard? Is it a presentation? Is it a, you know, a PowerPoint? Is it a, a document? Like, what have you seen, Donatella, and and what are some of the recommendations there? So in my experience till now, again, I've seen uh, Word document, PowerPoint, uh, but also express, uh, Excel spreadsheet in terms of trying to certify storyboard. Not yet drawings, <laughs> Oliver, I have to say. So maybe someone in <laughs> some drawings, I don't know. I mean, it can be an option. Again, there is no requirement. So if you want to draw, draw your TMF. But yes, at, at the moment, because there's no requirement and because it's really your specific tool, you can adapt this tool based on your need and especially based on the communication that you want to achieve. Because uh, I think that uh, uh, the key message of storyboarding is uh, to communicate a good story. And so communication with all the stakeholders, all the study team members is very important, it's very relevant. And so you have to define what is the best format to understand, to have everyone align on the same page. It is a Word format, let's do a document uh, in Word. It is a PowerPoint with dashboard, I don't know, some graphs. Uh, let's do that one. It's uh, uh, an Excel spreadsheet that you can filter and do the stuff. Do that. I mean, in terms of format, you can really uh, decide what's the best format for you. Obviously, as you said before, uh, define it in a consistent way. So obviously define a process before implementing the storyboarding because otherwise, you know, you will have a different storyboarding with no consistency, with no quality. So it's very important that first of all, to define the process of TMF storyboarding and then your TMF storyboard format. All right, perfect. We're going to try something slightly different here. We've got a question from Jess and I want to get Jess on um, onto the line to ask her question directly. Jess. You had a question about expectations of filing storyboards. Do you want to just throw that question to us? 
Um, my question was if there is an expectation that the story for it needs to be filed in the TM. So, Jess, the answer is uh, quite easy because it's no. I mean, uh, the storyboarding is really your tool to get more expression ready, to get more quality of the TMF, to get more compliance with your standards. So you're not going to show a TMF storyboarding to an inspector saying, hey, I did my storyboarding, so I did my exercise. Look at this. No, this is really a tool to get prepared. Uh, so it's not part of your uh, QC, you know, on documentation, on uh, uh, with oversight and health check on your TMF. But those are, let's say, uh, evidence of your QC, of your oversight that have to be filed in the TMF because there is a specific zone in the TMF. This is more really a preparation tool, an internal tool uh, that you have to share with the rest of the team. But let's say to get prepared for the interview with the inspector. So it's really uh, to be aligned on the message to send and uh, to, to send to the, to the inspector during the inspection. But it's not uh, a document that you usually show during an inspection and that you usually file in the TMF. That's wonderful. Thank you so much. Thanks so much for jumping on, Jess. Um, all right, perfect. If you guys have any other questions that you want to throw uh, to us, um, throw them into the Q&A and we'll promote you guys to the session if you guys want to ask it live. Um, I think that's really interesting, right? Because it, it, it always goes back to this question of, you know, what do you file and what do you not file, right? And I think you could probably make the case to file a storyboard if you wanted to, if you felt like it helped clarify it. You know, we talk about, and we'll talk about this a little bit later on, but, you know, a storyboard can be something that's quite useful in in maybe uh, the absence of a note to file, perhaps, right? And so it, it could be a useful tool to add clarity to a specific issue or event that you've identified. Uh, I think Daniel mentioned that if you have an SOP that says that you want to storyboard and storyboards are going to be a tool, you could also get, again, build the case that storyboards are something that you could be filed, but there's no regulatory expectation that you file those storyboards. I think that's the point that Donatello is making. Um, I, you know, it really is that preparatory tool to make sure that all of your team are aligned. Whenever I think about storyboarding, I always kind of think about it like an interrogation room. We want to make sure we get our story straight, right? And that's kind of the idea here. It makes sure that everybody understands what actually happened, what were some of the things that we did to be able to counter that issue, prevent it from happening again, and, and how we're going to monitor the success of those, those actions. This is how we want to present it to an inspector. You could surface that content to an inspector. You could also not and just, you know, use it as a tool to serve interviews and make sure that those interviews are performed correctly. Perfect. Let's move on. Again, if you guys have questions, throw them to us. We'll see if we can add you to the show. Um, how often should we be storyboarding, Donatella? Um, what are some of the things that we recommend to customers here when we're working with them on storyboarding processes? So to answer to your question, Oliver, I repeat what I said before that TMF storyboard is flexible. So because it's really a tool for based on your need, you can do the storyboard because there is a special event, because there is a, a particular grow in the company. And so you have to explain some changes in the organization, in the outsource model, 
you can uh, you have to maybe explain uh, some issue in the IP manufacturing. So there is a special event around the IP product, and you need to to explain uh, uh, what occurred for this uh, IP during trial. There is uh, uh, an acquisition, uh, or there is uh, a change. Uh, uh, in the study team, or maybe the study that the team allocated to the clinical trial uh, has been changed. So there is a particular event that can be maybe, uh, you know, for you that uh, are part of the study team and uh, are leaving the clinical trial can be easy to understand, uh, even based on the other documents of the TMF, but for someone external uh, can be challenging. And so to help to reconstruct the story, even, you know, for the rest of the stakeholder or that, or that other people that will uh, participate to an inspection, storyboarding can help. And so before an inspection, again, we know that we have to be 100% every day, every time, every second inspection ready. But when there is an inspection, we know that there is also this preparation period. So if you know that at the end of the year, there will be an inspection and you have never do a storyboard, this can be the right time. I mean, it can be really the moment that you take uh, the story of the TMS and you try to understand uh, if it is a complete story, if it is a good story, if all the pieces of the puzzle are there and you can easily, you know, uh, make the links uh, between all the documents, uh, all the action and all the decision. Because we know and we have discussed, I think, in several uh, virtual events that uh, think about uh, all the decisions that are made uh, in emails. And sometimes to reconstruct action and decision that are, you know, tracked in an email can be very challenging. Uh, so a storyboard can help to link, you know, the official document, maybe a meeting minute, with a decision uh, communicated and shared in, a, in an email and not in an official letter or in another official document. And uh, because I like CMF storyboarding, I would suggest also something like uh, yearly basis. Uh, why not? I mean, it's not a requirement, it's true. But if you see that it's a very helpful tool that can help you to understand the story, that can help you to ensure more compliance, uh, more quality in your clinical trial, why not to do this document, this exercise on a yearly basis? Because we know that things will happen, things will change clinical trial, and so retrieve and do something uh, in the past can be challenging. If you do that on a regular basis, why not? It's not a long and detailed document. It's a short document, but very uh, efficient uh, in terms of message to be shared. So why don't implement this exercise in your TMF management process and do that on a yearly basis to tell, okay, this year, these are what this is what happened in my clinical trial and keep align everyone uh, in the set team and in the TMF stakeholders. Don't you agree, Oliver? I mean, I yeah. know that I'm a TMF <laughs> fan and all that stuff, but I think that annually it's not a big effort and can be very helpful at the end of the day. Exactly. I think it goes back to what we were talking about earlier in, in you know, it's serving as a training tool, as a continuous improvement tool. I think uh, Adrienne in the in the chat also mentioned that this is an internal quality document. They consider it an internal quality document, and I think that's in, that's important too. Like this can be part of your continuous improvement quality plans, um, where you're where you're storyboarding not just to prepare for a specific inspection, but as a as a rule of thumb, so that everybody can learn a little bit more about some of the things that happen, so that we're able to design better processes moving forward. 
it's just a really, really useful exercise um, as an internal kind of best practice. So absolutely. Um, I see a bunch of people here talking about um, templates and formats um, for, for, for storyboarding. So, you know, like I mentioned before, and like Donatella mentioned, like the, the format is really dependent on you. Like, I think you got to think about the use case, like is, and also think about the team, right? Like ultimately these storyboards are serving a purpose for your team to be aligned. And so if you feel like your team is going to, is going to be able to get there faster with something that's visual, something that's easy to understand. Maybe PowerPoint presentation is something that's, that's, that's kind of the right option for you. Or if everybody works in a very document heavy environment and that's, you know, something that you feel would add value, then you can do it in a word document or an Excel spreadsheet. And I feel like, again, like Donatella mentioned, it really is dependent on the focus of the storyboard. You know, if it's to describe, you know, a change of CRO, you know, maybe that isn't a very, very large, uh, storyboard that you need to create. And so a PowerPoint present presentation may make sense, but if you're talking about a series of really, you know, uh, special events that happen, you need more detail than maybe a document on an Excel spreadsheet is the, is the right way to go. All right. Um, perfect. So let's move forward. Um, we talked, we've already talked a lot about benefits, but I, I thought it would be a really good idea to kind of talk about some of the other areas that you can gain from storyboarding. Of course, we talked about the completeness of the story. That's what storyboarding ultimately allows us to do. Uh, inspection preparation, we already talked about. I mentioned ahead of time a little snippet on how to avoid, uh, how you can use storyboarding, in fact, to kind of avoid notes to file or stitch together the topics that you might include in a note to file. I think it also shows and demonstrates that you've adhered to your plans and procedures. Like part of your storyboard will ultimately outline, um, you know, how you were you were able to identify a specific issue or how you tackled a specific event, and then the the process is there on out. That's something, of course, that you should be doing in accordance with your plans and SOPs, and it's a good good way to 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 align to that. Um, study team alignment, um, handover from project to project. You know, maybe that's something that's quite useful. If we have any CRO folks on the line here, um, you know, storyboarding as part of your handover back to the sponsor can be a really useful exercise and a bit of added value for them as well. So there's a lot of things there. Donatella, what are some of the other benefits that you see from storyboarding outside of the ones that we, we already mentioned? Yeah, first of all, oversight, Oliver, because uh, oversight is one of the requirements that, uh, that we have in terms of TMF management, the storyboard telling us to tell a better story, a complete story, can definitely support us uh, in the oversight uh, exercise. Uh, it's also a tool to ensure more consistency and compliance because we know that inspectors are looking for consistency, are looking for uh, some standard in terms of quality. So storyboard can really help uh, to get everyone on the same page, as we already said, and everyone send same message uh, to the inspector because uh, Think about the scenario of an inspection. I don't think that anyone wants to have, you know, me saying a story, you, Oliver, saying another version of the story because the inspector will get confused. And so the inspection will not get will not end in a in a very good way. So consistency and compliance, uh, easy navigation and document retrieval because uh, uh, we know that TMF cannot be the only repository for our documentation of the clinical trial. So it's very important to know where to go and look for a specific document that will be the evidence of our story. Uh, to it support collaboration and communication. Study team, uh, 
uh, all the uh, collaboration with the uh, third-party vendor, the CRO, uh, and all the you know people that uh, work in a clinical trial, it's very important to uh, have everyone align. So this can be uh, a tool to get this uh, alignment. Adaptability, because uh, no matter if your clinical trial is small, is one country, 10 country, one country, uh, whenever you have a clinical trial, it, this tool can be flexible. You can adapt this tool to your need, to your specific need, to your study design. And so it can be really flexible uh, for you. And the one that I prefer more, more is holistic approach. Uh, it means that uh, we know that the TMF is composed by single document that we know uh, they must be good document, high quality documentation, but all these documents are linked between each other to tell the story. So it's very important to be able to cross-check and demonstrate these links during inspection. And sometimes uh, it can be challenging due to the nature of the document, due to the nature of the event. So storyboarding can really help to have this holistic approach to your trial master file. Do you agree, Oliver? Yeah, absolutely. I think I think it's 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 like you said before, storyboard storyboards can be the glue that kind of uh, pieces those different chapters together um, and it ensures that those that are communicating that story and uh, are ultimately the, the you know singing from the same hymn sheet. Uh, and we'll talk a little bit about how we tend to structure storyboards um, a little bit later on and maybe provide some examples. Um, because that, I think, is going to add a little bit more context to kind of some of the recommendations that we've made so far. So, again, if you guys have questions, keep them coming. We'll try and answer them as we come. If you guys want to ask live on the show, you can just let us know when you ask your question and we'll bring you on. Now, I think it's important for us to start talking about the process of developing the storyboard, right? And so we mentioned earlier on there's two things there's the storyboarding process and then there's the storyboard itself so let's start with the, the process so typically what we will look to do is we'll try and get all of the details and the essential elements of, of ultimately what we're looking to storyboard so we'll try and map that specific story we'll try and make a decision as early as possible on the format um, but there's been a number of occasions where we've decided it's going to be a word document and then it's become a PowerPoint presentation and vice versa. That's totally fine as well. As you start to build out the, the the content of the storyboard, you'll get a feel for the best way for you to present it. And then, you know, Donatella and I, one of the things that we talk about all the time is, is really making sure that everything that you do has purpose, right? And so this storyboard needs to have a goal. What are you trying to achieve with the storyboard? Is it to align internal team members? Is it to make sure that you understand the story before you get to an inspection or are there other reasons these are the things that need to be outlined because that will be your point of reference as you go through and develop that specific storyboard and then kind of building out and drafting the desired outcome what do we ultimately want to see at the end we're then going to start looking at trying to connect with the various different stakeholders so we're going to try and identify as much information as possible about the subject of the storyboard from those that were involved and then start to add or take out details that we feel aren't relevant. Now, I think one of the things that people, one of the biggest mistakes that people make with storyboards is they make them too detailed, right? And they put too much information into the document. It's so, so important that storyboards need to be high level. The TMF is where the detail is. The storyboard is is, is ultimately what helps you 
you know, pull those things together. So at that point, you might get a lot of information from study stakeholders, TMF teams, clinical teams, or whoever it might be. It's, it's, your, it's your decision at that point to be able to say, okay, well, this is not relevant. This is too detailed. I'm going to reference something else and, and kind of keep it as high level as possible. You're going to want to also look at how, uh, you know, certain existing documentation uh, are connected to the storyboard. So what plans, SOPs, notes to file, existing documentation, anything that's going to support the story, that's something that you're going to want to be able to understand and verify one, they exist, uh, and two, that they um, can be referenced in the storyboard itself. You're going to verify the evidence and then finalize the storyboarding with the various different SMEs that have been involved in that process. So that's typically how we'll walk through a storyboarding exercise. It's not the only way to do it, right, Jonathan? But this is the way that we find works yeah. best for, for us. Any top tips here that maybe I missed that you'd want to highlight? No, absolutely. I think that this is uh, the approach that we usually take and that we usually suggest when it comes to general storyboarding. Uh, and I think that uh, one aspect that is worth to underline uh, is what you said, that uh, don't make the TMF storyboard uh, a very long and detailed document, because otherwise it will lose uh, uh, its efficacy, uh, its purpose. Because uh, think about the situation that you have, you are in the room before getting the interview with the inspector, and maybe you need to readily the bit of your information. If you have uh, 1,100 pages of document, uh, how can you read them just before the interview? I mean, it's really something that you quickly have a look. Uh, you know that uh, uh, what the story is. Uh, you know what are, where are the other references. If you need, you know the details. Uh, if you need to show some document, uh, so it's really an high-level document uh, with no details uh, uh, or you know uh, long description that can be found in the documentation filing in the TMF. Exactly. I think there's a really good point there also, you know, because we want to keep it high level, who you involve in that process is going to be important too. There may be certain individuals or certain functions within your organization that just are more detailed, right? And so that's going to impact perhaps how high level you can stay. And so really try and think about who's working on this storyboard and, and you know, who's going to be the best person to be able to keep that high level. Because like Donatella said, if we get into a situation where the storyboard is too long and detailed, it's supposed to be kind of like a quick reference card prior to a conversation, prior to a question. If it's too long, no one's going to be able to remember it, right? And so that's something that I think is really, really important is, you know, it has to be focused and important and, and uh, yeah, consumes all of the information that needs to be consumed, but it needs to be as high level as possible. So now let's talk about uh, a little bit of a case study, because I think you know this is something that we do quite often with customers where we go through some storyboarding, but there was a kind of a, an interesting example of uh, a customer that we worked with in the past that, that was you know not as familiar with storyboarding. So there was obviously some preparatory work to be done there. And we wanted to identify a specific scenario that we could use to be able to build that storyboard on. And we settled on um, a change in CRO. Donatella, do you want to maybe kind of walk us through, you know, how that worked with that specific customer and some of the things that we did, and then I'll kind of jump into um, the storyboard uh, itself. Yes, sure. So this, as already 
said at the beginning, storyboard can have a different scenario. In this case, in this particular case, uh, the sponsor was uh, facing the change of a CRO in the middle of the clinical trial. So it's a very uh, big, uh, say, event that have a big impact on the clinical trial. Uh, and so to be able to uh, complete the story, to be able to reconstruct better the story of this clinical trial, we suggested to track this event and to track all the action through a TMS storyboarding. Uh, the sponsor was, for him, it was the first time that uh, he heard about TMS storyboarding. So we suggested to start with a training on storyboarding because it uh, doesn't make sense that I develop will do a TMS storyboarding if you don't know what TMS storyboarding is. So let's say uh, to get more knowledge and understanding of what TMS storyboarding is the first step. And then we did, uh, as a second step, uh, a workshop to develop the TMS storyboard. So based on the theory, let's say, that we share and that we train, we teach them how to define and design their specific TMS storyboard based on that specific situation. So the change of a zero during a clinical trial. So it was really an exercise done together uh, based on what we, uh, we taught them, we, we trained them. Uh, and based on our best practices, suggestion, and recommendation. But let's say the most uh, uh, helpful aspect was that uh, the TMS storyboard was uh, developed by the customer, by the sponsor. So it was something that they really understood because they developed the storyboard guided by us, guided by our expertise, by our knowledge, with our indication. But at least they were able to, let's say, understand the final deliverable, and then after that, they implemented the TMF storyboarding in their current process for TMF management. So let's talk about that final deliverable, because I think everyone's been waiting the entire time to get their eyes on an example storyboard that we put together. Now, I want to just kind of lay out a full kind of, I guess, a disclaimer here is that like no two storyboards need to be the same. And so really that storyboard needs to be customized to what you think is most meaningful. This example that we're going to share with you today could be delivered in a PowerPoint presentation, could be delivered in a Word document, but they typically, you know, they typically focus on a few key items that I'm going to go through. So if we think about the storyboard, it's important to kind of outline some key information so that when someone picks that up in physically or digitally, they know exactly the study and the product and the, the storyboard focus right so you really want to outline you know this specific storyboard is to tackle the change of cro from this date to this date that will be the title of the storyboard and then i think the best place for us to start is really identifying and and stating that uh what the specific issue was and again we want to try and keep this as high level as possible here we've identified a, a you know a small uh, paragraph so we want to outline the, the issue that was identified by the internal teams, including, I guess, any information about how the teams conducted themselves once that issue was identified. Try and use dates as much as possible um, and ensure that the statement that you put here is written in a positive manner. This was something that Donatella and I repeated over and over and over again. It's, in, it's incredibly important that you, you know, keep things positive when you're you're developing these storyboards because ultimately this is the reference point for your internal teams. If we if we talk negatively about an issue or how an issue was was identified or resolved, that will creep into how it's presented in an inspection environment. So that's just something that's really 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 important. 
Then we've got important background information. So it's important here that you start to identify the high level information that you have available that relays, you know, the specific event that you're describing or something that contributed to the issue with a key focus as much as possible on the root cause. You know, what was identified at that point in time and what was the root cause? We should try as much as possible to limit this to three to five points or bullet points or in paragraph format. But it, again, it needs to be as high level as possible. Donatella, any thoughts here? Maybe, you know, we got obviously got some example content here. Do you maybe want to walk through some of the content here to help give some of that context? Yeah, absolutely. So as you said, I think that the very starting point in a storyboard template is to identify the issue. So I'm writing this, uh, you know, storyboard because uh, in this case, there was uh, a change uh, in the CRO. And obviously the very first question is uh, why you decided to change a CRO in the middle of a clinical trial. And so in this case, uh, uh, it was uh, a GCP uh, non-compliance due to uh, unknown verification of the data source and data documentation uh, that was a responsibility of the CRO. So you identify the issue, let's say, that caused that action uh, that can be challenging, you know, to explain uh, during inspection. And then some background information. What I mean is that uh, uh, obviously there can be some uh, uh, assumption, some other references that can be helpful uh, to understand uh, how, for example, uh, you identify that issue, how uh, you identified that issue in that moment and not uh, three months ago or one month later. So uh, some information that uh, more clarify, you know, how you get uh, uh, those issues identified and why you decided to develop the storyboard and all those actions. So as Oliver said, it can be a paragraph. In this case, it was, uh, let's say, uh, more a script, but it can be also some bullet points that you can very uh, summarize uh, high level uh, uh, the sequence of the action that you took. So it depends uh, uh, on the way of the communication that you prefer. Uh, but very important, as underlined by Oliver, is uh, the proactive uh, and positive approach uh, to this uh, identification of issue and uh, uh, mitigation of issue. Uh, the aim of the storyboard is, uh, yes, I have identified an issue, but I did something to solve that issue. So show that uh, you were very active and proactive. Try to demonstrate what you did to correct uh, that issue and try also to demonstrate what you did to prevent that issue to occur again in the future. So this is really uh, the positive message and the positive communication that uh, from the storybook we have uh, to come out and to, to go during the inspection. Because if you go to an inspector, he doesn't want to, to hear, oh, yes, we had uh, these uh, serious breaches uh, with the CRO, with GCP compliance, with the CRO. Okay, but what did you do to solve this issue? Issue can happen. Uh, no clinical trial is perfect. So it's very important, that, you know, to prepare uh, a, a very positive and practical answer to the, to the inspector. Exactly. So let's talk about that for a second. So the next couple of things that we would like to see what we typically like to put into a storyboard is the impact analysis. Again, I've emphasized here high level. So you really want to make sure that there's a statement, a very high level statement regarding the impact that the issue had or could have had um, or will have on data integrity and or, you know, patient safety. So 
you want to be able to outline here in a few lines, a couple bullet points, whatever it might be on what the impact of that specific issue might have been. Here we have, of course, another example. Uh, of course, you can access these slides afterwards to kind of see the words and the way that we've written it. And then something that Donatella mentioned, right? Like it's really, really important that you don't just present the issue without talking about what was done afterwards. And so you want to look at the corrective and preventive action and summarize that in sort of an overview. So listing out the high level actions that you would you taken in the past or that were taken recently or that you plan to take to be able to clarify and address how you're going to prevent that issue from happening or occurring again uh, with a real kind of tie back to the root cause, right? So we make it really, really clear that you have a really deep understanding of what the root cause is and this is the uh, action or a set of actions that you're going to be taking to to prevent this from happening again. If you can, try and include a date, a quarter, a month, something that ties to a timeline. Um, obviously, this is a story that we're trying to reconstruct, so it's super, super important that you try and be accurate with the dates. These dates are, of course, the the, the dates that your team is going to use should they you know be be interviewed or present this content. Um, and so making sure that they're accurate is, is really, really important. And then, of course, if you do have any actions that are still in progress, um, you know, review and try and update those prior to the inspection. Maybe you start this storyboard a couple of months before the inspection happens. It isn't something that you complete and then only open up the day of the inspection. Really review it, update it, make sure that it's as accurate as it could be. And then the final kind of, I guess, section of the storyboard for this example um, was really outlining what follow-up actions uh, were taken. So, you know, what are some of the adjustments to our process uh, long-term, a summary of the things that have been done. And then of course, any supporting documentation itself. So, you know, what SOPs, work instructions, specific documentation that lives within the TMF that's referenceable. Again, like Donatella mentioned earlier, this is something that's really, really important. You know, you want to make sure that the team that's ultimately discussing this topic have an idea of what content uh, in the TMF this relates to, so that should questions arise around that, well, we've got a connected storyboard to it. Uh, and then of course, you know, some information around, you know, who the SME is, what section perhaps that this uh, specific uh, issue or event was documented in. So that kind of outlines the storyboard here. And like I mentioned at the beginning, right, disclaimer, this is not how you should all develop storyboards. This is an example of some of the sections that you might want to cover. We would certainly recommend evaluating each of these key sections um, every time you develop a storyboard and whether it's relevant or not. My guess is that most of the times, most of these sections will be relevant, but there may be other sections, depending on the specific focus of the storyboard, there might be other sections that you want to add that's gonna help you know build that storyboard um, a little bit more concisely. So with that, that kind of brings us to kind of the, the end of the storyboard template and also the end of the, the storyboard session. So, you know, again, as a reminder, we want to map the story, think about the format, start thinking about the goal and the desired outcome for the storyboard, start collaborating with internal stakeholders, gathering as much information as possible, then start refining that information, adding, removing content that we feel is too detailed. We're going to verify all of the kind of uh, internal references, plans, SOPs, um, verify the story with the larger team and then finalize the storyboard prior to, you know, having that uh, discussion or presentation with the inspector. If you guys have other questions, we can jump into them now. 
if there aren't any other questions, we can close it for today. Donatella, any final thoughts that you want to share with our community today? No, I think that uh, we gave the audience lots of take-home message. Uh, I think that uh, the main one is really develop and do this exercise of TMF storyboarding because it can be really helpful for your team, for your uh, internal communication or for the communication with the, all the vendors that you have in your clinical trial. Be positive and proactive. So issue can happen. Clinical trial and human being are not perfect, uh, but you can fix issue and you can uh, show that uh, you try to do your best to be in compliance with requirement uh, and G GCP uh, in your clinical trial. And uh, remember, I mean, uh, the storyboard uh, is uh, flexible. So who knows, maybe someone in the audience in the future will draw the trial master file. <laughs> maybe. We'll see. And if you guys have suggestions on how maybe you would develop a storyboard template differently, um, I think there were some uh, questions internally uh, in the chat where people were asking to share their own templates. Uh, really great way to do that is to head over to the community. So if you do want to try and see what other people are doing, go and ask that in the community itself. Head to LinkedIn, the State of TMF community. There's over a thousand TMF professionals in there uh, waiting to get those questions from you. So throw those questions in there and maybe um, others can share some insights into how they're managing this process. Um, we'll be back again in two weeks time. We have two more sessions before we take a brief break for State of TMF. Um, you know, it goes without saying, but I want to thank everybody for the continued support of the of the live event and the podcast. If you guys have to drop off or if you want to share this with other team members, you can access the State of TMF. Um, a week after the, the live event will be available on YouTube, on Spotify, um, you know, anywhere that you listen to podcasts, you can listen to that on your commute while you're at work or whatever it might be, or on the beach, Donatella, right? On vacation. Um, thanks so much for joining me, Donatella. It's great to have you back and, uh, and, and joining us for another session and We'll Thanks be back too. in two weeks for another big, a big topic coming soon. Bye, everyone. Thank you. Bye. Bye, everybody. Thank you for listening to another episode of the State of TMF, a live event and podcast brought to you by Montreum, the leaders in clinical quality and regulatory solutions for scaling life science organizations. If you liked today's episode, hit the subscribe button, view the full episode with video on YouTube, and follow us on LinkedIn for more great content coming from Montreal soon. See you next time. Bye.